Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. This month, we are teaming up with igotout.org, a consortium of cult survivors supporting the I Got Out movement of activism and education to help shine light on the commercial cults more commonly known as multi-level marketing. Throughout the month of November, follow along with us on social media as we share MLM statistics, cult education, survivor stories, and ways that you can join in on the movement. Visit igotout.org to share your MLM experience and share your I Got Out selfie using the hashtags I Got Out and I Got Out of an MLM on social media. Freedom of thought is a universal human right. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros, we've got a long episode today. So just a quick little housekeeping. I wanted to let you know that this episode, though, you know, we're talking about a cult, we do also mention suicide, mental health, and health crisis. So if those are triggering topics, please use caution. I also wanted to say thank you to our newest Patreon member, Jennifer Ryla. You are so incredible. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon and becoming a member over there. If you'd like to be a member, if you'd like to be a member, we have five and $10 tiers and you can find the link to join in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this culty story. And if you have your own culty story to share, please submit it via email or on SpeakPipe or anonymously on the website. All of those links are also in the show notes. We would love to feature your cult story in some education this month. So submit those stories or look for the infographics on Instagram and leave a comment. Anyway, enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM, you guys. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited. I've been trying to talk to these two for a while life gets busy. They have like the most fabulous busy life ever. Uh, we finally found a time to sit down and talk. I'm so excited to be gazing into their eyes right now. I would like to welcome to the show, Michelle and Paul. Hi, how are you guys? What's up? How are you, Roberta? We're so excited to finally sit down and chat with you, girl. You are the queen. We are here. Oh, you're so cute. I only know a few things about you and it's really what I've seen on Instagram following your guys' story and this beautiful life that you have now, which we will get to, but we're going to start at the beginning Okay. before the life was beautiful. Uh, it's, you know, we're telling cult stories and you guys <laughs> were in the ultimate MLM cult, uh, Amway. And yeah. so we're going to tell your story. So I'm going to hand it off to you. You guys are driving the car today. And please tell us about your life in the very beginning and, and how you found Amway and uh, how it all started. Awesome. Yeah. You thank wanna... you for having yes, us. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. We've been following you since Lululemon aired and we've been following you ever since. And we just love your content and just the awareness that you're spreading mm -hmm. about multi-level marketing industry, the cult industry. It's just like... It's honestly awesome that you're sharing this information because, you know, Paul and I, we got started when we were 17 and 18 in the Amway business. So they caught us super, super early. You know, one of the things that people do is that they cat what, what they do in that industry is that they catch you on your most vulnerable, most desperate and the youngest years of your life. That's what happened to us. 
when I got started and I got approached by Amway and I want to make sure people understand like where I was in life, because when you think back and you realize where you were in life, um, when they contacted you, whether it was at a mall or a social media, you can see that there are some similarities. So when I got, when I was approached by Amway, it was from someone that I really trusted. I looked up to basically my whole childhood. I went to middle school with her. I went to elementary school with her. Her little sister was my best friend. And she was like someone that I looked up to so much. Um, she was my poetry slam coach. We did musicals together. You know, this was someone that was going places and she was going far. And in my mind, she was like a mentor to me. I knew that anything that she was doing had success written all over it. So when she reached out to me, I was in the middle of going into my senior year of high school. I had no idea what college I was going to go to. I had no idea what major I was going to major in. Like, and I was someone that like knew everything that I was going to do in my life. Like I knew what careers I want to do. I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew I wanted to do something with music. So the fact that I didn't know what college I wanted to go to was like a red flag for my family. And they were like, figure it out soon because you're about to graduate. Like what's going on? So when she reached out to me, I had just came back from musical theater camp. I was in like La La Land because I finally was around community. And when I came back home, I was lacking community. I lost a lot of friends in high school and like all the things. So when Stephanie, someone that I looked up to, a mentor of mine reached out to me saying she had a business opportunity for me. Again, it was a perfect timing. Someone that had no idea what she was going to do in her life. And she brings insert business opportunity. She was someone I trusted and loved and cared about and like looked up to. So anything that she was going to refer me to, I was going to jump into. And again, she was just someone that I, I trusted. So when she invited me, it was in an Italian restaurant. She had a board. It wasn't even a board at Ezo. It was just like a paper board <laughs> with a marker that she bought last minute. Fancy Italian restaurant. And she had doctors in there. She had cops. Like these are people's professions. And I was the only young girl there. She had a lot of professionals there seeing this opportunity and I'm the only young one. So I'm like, man, I'm in the right room. This is awesome. So as she's going over the marketing plan for Amway, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, basically the way that they share it in Amway is you buy products, products that you're already using, hair, shampoo, toothpaste, toilet paper, vitamins, deodorant, makeup. vitamins, makeup, all the things you're already using it. Why don't you just shop from a company that's going to pay you to use it? So 17-year-old brain is like, oh my God, this, I, I hit lotto. I made it, you know? And then what really caught me was, and then you teach your friends how to shop, make money, and they make money too. And then they teach their friends and their friends. Mind you, I was pretty popular in high school. So I was like, <laughs> networking, it's going to be easy. And then in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, Facebook was really up and popping at that time. So I was like, well, I'm gonna go on social media. So when I went after the meeting, I like literally jumped over people. And I was like, I'm gonna get more information. Like I wanna get started. I ran home to my mom and I was like, mom, we are gonna be rich. I found the opportunity that's gonna get us out of poverty and welfare. I was living in a two bedroom roach infested apartment in the Bronx. And my biggest dream was just to get my family out of poverty. And at 17 years old, I feel like I hit the jackpot for me. So, wow. Yeah. Like that is so much. It's a lot. Wow. 17. 17. I was high school, baby. high school, no but job. You haven't even made the worst decisions of your life yet at 17. No. For me, like we started really young. So now we're 30 and 34. 
been a long time, but we were in it for 10 plus years. How was it for you? In the yeah, yeah so Paul, have, how about you? We have totally different stories. Yeah. Um, I got started, I was on a completely different team. We were both in Brit Worldwide, both a part of uh, uh, the Gala team is what they call it, which is uh, perhaps the biggest part of yeah. Brit Worldwide. It's the Indian group. If you ever see Indians in Amway, that's them. I actually got brought into the group, was that, which ended up being the first uh, non-Indian to go diamond in that entire team of hundreds of diamonds. So we really thought like we were the coolest. <laughs> Uh, so I went, I grew up in the East Coast in New York where she's at, um, but I went to school in Wisconsin um, and that's where I ended up seeing the business plan. I was in a place where I myself wanted to get away from my family. I went to, far away from my family to restart. I was looking for community and acceptance, mm. you know, to create something that's not for my parents because they were very well off. I was on a sports team and I, it's crazy how this story even happened you're going to love this at the end is the person who brought me into Amway is the same person who brought me out like Godfather kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I was on the ultimate Frisbee team. I was supposed to go to this tournament. There was a blizzard because it's Wisconsin. I get soaked and I'm waiting in this giant dorm lobby and it's me and one other gentleman walks in, starts playing piano. 20 minutes later, comes up to me, says something, something, money, business. And I said, yeah, sure took him weeks to get me to go. We had three meetings a week. One of them was called phone team on Sundays where they'd sit down and bother people on Sundays uh, and try to get them to see the business plan. And I remember he kept calling me. Uh, and I remember at this time, he didn't even know how to show the business plan. So he kept canceling because his mentor couldn't make it. So eventually I ended up going to what we call a board plan, like with Michelle, where they'll get a whiteboard, bring a bunch of people together. Half of them are new, half of them are already in so you know the ones that are in are cheering and excited and this is amazing what was the chant what was the chant uh who, who, freedom oh, that yeah. was the chant that was the chant that they used okay. a lot but <laughs> i remember this yeah girl call t my eventual upline diamond uh, which is in amway a very significant level was there he wasn't anything at that time i think he had just gone platinum or something mm. i just remember he showed the business plan i was barely paying attention but the community is what got me excited you know the most vivid thing after is they had what they called a, a night owl these are the big things everyone wants to qualify for the extra hangouts the extra training and it was in a hot tub and i couldn't go i was like shoot i want to be in this whatever this is <laughs> Ooh, and hot i remember tub. At that time, and we changed their name to Quick Star to basically hide who they were because there was so much negativity against mm -hmm. Amway. So I just eventually signed up. My only question is I didn't understand what I was doing with my time. But, you know, the person showing me the business plan, you know, the, it was these two young hotshot guys who were, you know, at the time I was a freshman, they're senior, juniors. So they're the cool kids. And like, I wanted to be the cool kids. So I just wanted to be around them. So that was that was the answer for me. And I just threw it on my credit card, told my parents that Quick Star was just some shopping thing that I bought. They didn't know what was going on. And I didn't even tell them that I was involved for a really long time because I knew they would shut it down. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, my parents would not be okay with me doing this. Yeah, wait till oh I my God. found out. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. So you're in Amway. You guys yeah. join. What is it? What does it look like being young teenagers? Ooh. in Amway. Oh, yeah. Well, we both had a lot of excess pretty quickly, too. Yeah, I always tell people this. If you didn't hit a big pin in whatever MLM company you're in, thank the Lord. Thank all the heavens above. 
because we, we succeeded very quickly in the business. You know, for me, you know, I got started. My mom had to pay for me. My mom had to like sign me off because I was not legal yet. She was like my guardian on the application and we paid cash for it. And my mentor literally drove from New Jersey all the way to the Bronx to like convince my mom to sign the dotted line for me to sign up. Yeah. And then of course I was like trying to get a use of his time because they're edifying him, this big person, like he retired his wife at 28 and all these different things. And I'm just like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do for my mom. Oh my gosh. Like mom, please, this is going to get us out of poverty. Just sign the dotted line, pay the 200 bucks. Like we're in. Um, so I would bring people from high school to my house to do board plans and to show them the opportunity. And my mentor would drive from New Jersey to the Bronx to show the opportunity to my friends. And that's exactly what our life looked like is every week we had a meeting Monday nights at 7 p.m. where a professional, someone, a higher rank, a diamond, an emerald, or one of these ranks would show the board plan at a hotel. It was Hotel Pennsylvania at the time. And I would bring five, six, seven guests, like my friends from high school, I would just bring them in there and they would see the opportunity. And then my mentors would give them information packets. They would go home. A couple days later, we will meet up at a Starbucks or back then it didn't really use Starbucks, but we were use like Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's or like coffee shops, sit down with them, do follow-ups. And then we would have to meet their parents for their parents to sign them off <laughs> and sign them up. Yeah. So you're like convincing your friends first to even come to the meeting. Then at the meeting, you're convincing them they need to join. And then once you've convinced them, you both now have to convince their parents. Yes, girl. And that's what we were doing. Oh, wow. And yeah. And then we would go to their homes where their parents are. And then obviously we wanted to take advantage of our time. So we're like, hey, while we're talking to your parents, why don't you also bring some of your friends so we can show them the opportunity as well, you know, like networking, taproot, like all the things. Um, and that's what we would do. And then so eventually I got really good where I knew how to show the marketing plan myself. So I would be dressed up in a business suit at 17 years old, heels, skirts. I was not allowed to wear pantsuits. I had to wear skirt suits. I had to wear dresses, stockings, high heels. And my hair had to be straight. I oh, never yeah. knew um, that like this yeah. until we started dating. Yeah. Her hair was straight for over 10 years. I never knew her hair was curly. Yeah. So my hair is naturally curly. I just took some braids off, but my hair is naturally curly. And I wanted to wear this to the to this podcast specifically. I literally have a braid appointment because I really want to show this, like the the audacity that happened. You know, one time I wore my hair curly to a meeting. And one of my mentors, who was of Indian descent, again, slick black hair, literally would say, if you have natural hair, your hair is not basically straight. It is unprofessional. We will not allow that. So I would straighten my hair to look like one of my mentors for 10 plus years. My curls were gone. No one knew like, and then obviously sometimes I didn't have the money to go to the salon and get my hair straight. So then I would have to leave it out like that. And I had to like slick it back into like a high bun or a ponytail. So I don't get like lamb blasted, like what they used to say, or like, just like talk shit about like how my hair looks. It was crazy stuff. Let you me have to hide food. your natural yes. hair. Yes. Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started with, I had to also start wearing makeup. Artistry was the make the, the makeup and skincare line. So I have like a little bit of makeup on now, but like, I had to like load my skin with makeup 
to promote the products. Like we are 100% users of the products, mm -hmm. right? And we constantly had to show that we were we were 100% product users. Basically, they have this mantra of like, this is what we're supposed to do. It's called 953 VIB. Oh my God, I'm triggered. It's funny to explain this because it's been <laughs> years, um, but there's basically nine daily habits that we're supposed to do five days a week, although they promoted seven, seven days, days a week. A week. Uh, three powers, three nevers. So basically they use these things that they use to control us and the three cardinal rules. Uh, and then board in the bedroom, basically. There's a whiteboard in the bedroom with our goals and our organization chart drawn out and stuff like that. That was like the mantra, the six cardinal rules, because that was basically like what our life looked like. I forget how it even breaks out, but there's a three powers, the power of submission, right? Submitting to your upline. Woo! Girl, that was number but one. The biggest thing is, oh, submission's not a bad thing. Because when you submit, then the person you're submitting to is so responsible for you, you know, and yeah, blah, the, blah, blah. The person that is like, if I'm in submission to you, I have the power. But like, that's how they explained it to us. Because basically, like, if you're a good mentor, you're going to be careful what you recommend to me because I'm going to do it. I'm a great student. But in reality, like, no, the, the number that was one of their number one rules was the power of submission was to get us to do whatever the uplines wanted us to do. Cannot, cannot question it. Not at all. The power of submission was a big one. Um, I mean, that like deifies your upline yeah. immediately. Like I submit to you. Yeah. Oh, wise one. Whatever you say, I'll do. Number one rule. Like what? Yeah, girl. That was a big That's one. That's just one of them. Don't mess with anyone's money, spouse, or ego. So you can never put your upline down in public right can't mess with anybody's spouse like you can never be alone with anybody of the opposite sex if they're married at any point ever so it's super awkward if that ever happened yeah. by accident uh, and then money like never owe money to your upline like if, oh, if you owe something you must pay them immediately yeah like even if you have to like like not pay your rent or your cell phone bill never owe money to your mentors yeah, I got in trouble because I did that once. Oh, she's course. done that too. Of course. Because uh, they, they expected us to buy $1,000 worth of books and I'm 18 years old. Where the fuck am I going to get $1,000? So he would pay it up front and then would bill me for it, for my team, because it's supposed to be for my team. But later on, you'll find out that they actually made a profit because the books actually probably cost like $750 and he's charging me $1,000 for it. Oh, yeah. So never owing anything. No cross-lining, oh, which is a, a big really one. big one. So Paul and I were in different teams. He was in team A, I was in team B. So that is cross-lining. We could see each other at meetings and that's it. That's it. I cannot talk to him. I can't have his number. I cannot discuss business with Unless him. Unless the common upline is around. Yeah. That is. I mean, it's like, it's so it's culty. So, it's so culty. And again, I went to an all girls Catholic school. So, you know, there were rules there and stuff like that. So to me, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. Like it's rules. Uh, yeah. So cross, no cross lining was uh, another really big role. Another big one that I think is important is power of the spoken word, mm. which is a very powerful success principle to be yeah. careful of what I'm speaking and attracting, right. but they use it to control people. They use it yeah. in a way of to be in complete denial of anything going on in my life. Mm. Any issues I'm have, I can never talk about it. Right. Even like I remember, like they're having like intense surgeries and they're not even allowed to say like I'm in pain or I'm hurting. Like so at meetings, we're never allowed to bring our issues. We yeah. have to be excited and happy. So like fake version of Paul has to be talking to fake version of Michelle. Everyone's just fake. And so yeah. the moment we go into the meeting, 
they have to put in this act, like everything's great, everything's happy. And then as soon as we leave, it's back to normal. And so right. it created this, they get people really good at acting and pretending mm. from a very, from right from the beginning. Yeah. Wow. Paul, what was it like for you as a teenager in Amway? So I had a different experience because she was in New York City. I was out in Wisconsin. Again, the reasons I brought, I really joined were the people. And the person who was my mentor at the time actually became one of my closest friends. And he ended up figuring out what was going on. And he went through, he actually married the sister of our upline diamond. All the pressure that he put on himself to go emerald and to move on, combined with not dealing with his mental issues because he was bipolar, he really crashed. And they never did anything until he broke a cardinal rule. And then once he did, they kicked him out and we weren't allowed to talk to him anymore. It's really bad. And eventually a few years later, he ended up taking his own life. And I think a big part of that is because we weren't allowed to be there. Literally, we were told not to talk to him. And when people would ask, like, what happened, we couldn't say. But that's a whole nother story. But that he's the one who brought me in because he was a true, genuine, loving, Mm -hmm. uplifting spirit who cared about people. And even today, a majority of the people that are still in my uplines team are because of what he built. And they've just been trying to hold on to that Mm -hmm. because he truly loved these people and cared for them. So that's what brought me in. But then when he left, there was this huge void. So I went platinum at a young age. I did it before I was 21. So I got all this recognition. The reality is, yes, I worked hard. I, I, I sponsored tons of 17, 18, 19 year olds who had no money. And so most of the volume I was creating was from signups. And we did some sales, but not a lot. The reality is me and my people ended up buying most of that volume. Oh my gosh, the amount of just inventory of products. Like I had an entire closet filled with air purifiers, you know, and and water purifiers and makeup kits and things that it's like. Makeup kits. Yeah. I just did it because it had the best (laughs) points per per price. It was like $200 for a hundred points. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some months like the goal is 7,500 points in a month, which is about 15, 20, 30,000 in in sales uh, throughout the whole team. Some months in the last few days, I'd be at 2,500 and we just move yeah. the right things, get the pieces together, and you'd hit 7,500. You hit that wow. six months and your platinum, 12 months and your Q12. That's what she did. Uh, and that's when the bigger money starts coming in. Also, I wanted to add on to life as a teenager in Amway. That's actually how Paul and I met is we achieved these high ranks, platinum, Q12, at like 18, 19 years old. And we were like one of the first to do it. For me, I was the first single woman to do it as well. Like I hit the 7,500 point level when I was 18. I was the first single girl to do it. I got recognition after recognition, gifts and praises and like all the things for doing it. One of the things that in hindsight, looking back, my mentors at this time, in the beginning, they were like, yeah, this is the one, like this is the girl in our team that's going to kill it. But then when they actually saw me like actually accomplishing it and like hitting these records, I immediately just got the side eye. Because the biggest thing in network marketing is they don't want you to grow. You know, like your uplines do not want you to grow because if you grow, you they can lose their income, mm-hmm. you know? So they never want you to surpass them, even though they say they will. You know, we would go to free trips. We we were one of the people that would get paid. Like we got trips to Ada, Michigan, which is where the Amway headquarters were. They wined and dined you. They gave us extra bonuses, $2,500 bonuses, $5,000 bonuses. We stayed at the Amway Grand Plaza. They gave us extra money. They gave us all you can eat food, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And like, 
they wine and dine you. Make sure you are taking care of all the things. And also so you can come back to your team and promote like, hey, look at me. Look what I've done. Look at how they've treated me. Who's next? Mm -hmm. So I met Paul at one of these big events because he was also like a 19-year-old platinum. I was like a 19-year-old platinum. We just really bonded and we really like vibed, you know? Now I'm like 2021. We grew so much that we were plugging into a meeting in New York City from a different team. We outgrew them and started our own team at Hotel Pennsylvania. It was all across, from Madison Square across the street from Madison Square Gardens. Like it was all part of the plan. It was in the heart of New York City. Anybody can go to our meeting. If you're in Long Island, you can get there, Queens, the Bronx. It was like all the trains hit right in front of that hotel. So we were targeting everybody. So this is again teenager me. I'm hustling, I'm bustling. We even we grew even more that we had to buy coach buses to bring people to conferences. Okay. Uh, there was a point where I had five coach buses filled with people. They're 55 seats each. So I would have to pay ahead of time for these coach buses and then people would pay me. And then Paul, he needed some seats for his team. So he had to ask my mentor if he can talk to me and like get seats. And so my mentor was like, hey, I'm going to give Paul Nelson, which everybody knew who that was, because he would come to my meetings. Sometimes he would speak at my meetings and things like that. He was like, I'm going to give Paul Nelson your number. He wants some seats on your bus, but only talk about seats on the bus. (laughs) That's all you can talk about. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So Paul texted me, hey, I need about five seats on the bus. I was like, sure. But of course, we have each other's numbers. So we would text here and there, text again, text again. He would come on my bus, we would chill, whatever, all the things. So again, we're going to conferences four times a year. Four major ones. Major conferences. Four minor ones every year. Four minor ones. Three to four small meetings every week. So then people ask us why we don't go to events now. Please don't ask. Okay. (laughs) Four large conferences a year, four small ones, three to four small meetings in between for 10 years. Ain't nobody going to no more events. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm retired. There was a time where I was living in Connecticut and taking an hour train into the city. I was doing it six, seven days a week mm-hmm. or driving into the city six, seven days a week for all the meetings that we were going to. So at this point, you know, we blew up. You know, we were a part of an older team, an older upline who had been in business for 20, 30 years, really didn't have a lot of success. So here come these young kids with 50, 60, 100, 300, 400. Eventually, we hit 600 people at conferences. Okay. Paul eventually grew his team in Jamaica and started like meetings and stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And we just started growing like crazy. And then I started hitting the ranks. So I became very close to this couple who became my mentor for a long time. They just knew how to just like manipulate and control me because all I wanted to do was make them proud. I was the biggest team and I wanted to stay there. And when he saw that that was happening, that my team was growing and growing and growing, he immediately had to grow side legs, you know, so that way I don't reach the same level as him. And so when he was growing his side legs, he immediately turned his side legs against me. When he started growing people outside of me, like they were so mean to me. And it was all a competition all the time. Like people would go on stages in front of five, six, seven, 20,000 people and be like, my goal is to be bigger than Michelle Garabito. My goal is to have a bigger team than Michelle Garabito. And then the diamonds will start playing the same game. And they'll be like, okay, who is your biggest competition in this room? 
Michelle Garabito. And then it became this thing and everybody's like looking at me at the meeting, like, oh, what is she going to do? And then my mentor will come and be like, relax, like just show them what you got, you know? And it became this battle and this competition. And it's just like this male ego against me. I, it's like, it's like a Michael Jackson dance fight music video. Oh my God, girl. That just, yeah. It's yeah. Like, it was a little less happy than <laughs> But then it really got to me because like, eventually I was just like, nobody's going to be bigger than me. Like I'm going to be bigger, you know? And I became like this monster where I started to do a lot of the things that my mentors were doing, taking advantage of people. You know, making people pushing do, them do pushing the them to do volume, pushing them to pay for products they like don't need. Messing up their finances to do it. Uh, what is it? Maxing out credit cards to hit ranks, you know, telling people like, don't pay your rent. Our mentors used to say like, I don't care if my whole house falls on fire. As long as my products are bought, my points are done and I have my tools in my trunk, like I'm going to be okay. And so this became like the norm in our life. And it was just. It, it went like that for five, six years. So it's a lot to take in. Yeah. Let me finish explaining what our steps were. Cause I think it's helpful for people to understand what our habits were. I don't know if I remember them all, maybe oh, Michelle, <laughs> uh, but one of them is we had to be out there showing the business plan at least three to five times a week with her team. And with my team, it was much more than that. Yeah, like their seven goal days. seven days a week you know, they go like 20 plus plans a month, but really it's like 30 plus. So it means every day you're showing it. We had to be reading, but not just Harry Potter. We have to be reading <laughs> the books that they approve yeah. that we're paying for that say the exact same thing every time. They're the same books just reformatted and they tell us we have to read it. And so we're supposed to be doing that. Then we have to be listening to these audios that they're making. So a lot of them are garbage. Some of them were good, basically brainwashing us where this is all we could listen to. They would yeah. encourage us not to listen to music, to just listen to the audios all the time. Then we had to be at all the events. Uh, and like I said, so we'd have Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, we'd have these big like hotel meetings uh, where we bring guests, there's trainings, we'd have to pay for those events, we'd have to put on a suit, pretend everything's great, even when it's not. Then we'd have these Friday events where we'd come together in someone's apartment, make it relax, you know, learn about the products, get some training. And then Sundays, we would have the phone team and sit down and make calls, where if you have numbers to call, it's great. If you don't, you just sit there and feel bad for yourself. Uh, which most people do. <laughs> and it's changed recently, but they have these four, they had these four steps where it's build a list, make the call, show the plan, do the follow-up. And you just repeat that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. 100% product use. We had to use every bit of dollar we spent had to be on products that Amway sold. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was a time where they sold everything. Like they sold toilet paper, they sold clothes, we get our credit cards from there, makeup, vitamins you could buy bottled water they had an energy drink that was yes healthier than red bull but still they encouraged us to drink it three four five of them a day and there's still caffeine in there and there's still a lot of chemicals it's not good for people to do that and so we were encouraged to spend and then as things went on it was you must do it on the first day of the month and then it's like 100 points which is about 300 dollars. no no 200 points 300 so now it's required you're supposed to be doing a thousand dollars a month on the in first products. day of the month in products. And if you can't buy it, then you sell it. Talk to your upline every single, check with your upline every single day before you make any, I think that was a rule actually. Oh yeah. But basically another big rule is before you make any decision, you have to check with your mentor. Before mm -hmm. you date anybody, before you even plan to buy a car, buy, buy, a, house, car, buy a house, move, like anything more than like a thousand dollars spending or whatever. Yeah. If you're going to go shopping, 
You know, you have to set up a budget with your mentor to see where you're going to go shopping. If you do anything without checking with them, they will immediately talk shit about you on stage. I'll give you an example. When I got um, a big bonus check, when I hit this level called Q12, you get about twenty. You get about twenty thousand dollars in a bonus. Awesome. I mean, think about getting that when you're 21. Okay, like that's fantastic. You check with your upline before anything before you do anything. I got twenty thousand dollar bonus. I always give ten percent to charity. So I decided to give back to my high school and sponsor a student pay for, I think it was four years of her education. So I gave back like a grand. I didn't tell my mentors at the time because it was just something that I had already decided in my mind, like this is what I'm going to do. I posted about it on Instagram. This is when Instagram became a thing. And that same night I had a meeting with or a qualifier with my mentors. Okay. My social media is blowing up because again, I'm like this 23 year old kid who just paid for someone's high school education. Like that's pretty fantastic. And I did it to a school that I love so much and I went to. So everybody is praising me. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I can't wait to do the same. Like all the comments are blowing up. I come to this qualifier and I get the side eye from my mentors, who is this young couple who has reached one of the biggest ranks in Amway and they've done it in like at 23, 24 years old. And they, you know, there's qualifier, they go on this stage to speak and they're like, if you're someone who is doing things without checking with us, you guys are not going to grow in this business. And I obviously knew that they were talking about me because I was like, oh shit, I didn't check with them to sponsor the student. He was like, yeah, people are out here spending money and doing charitable things without checking with us. No wonder they're not growing. Like, oh my God, what the hell? So after you hit like this massive rank accomplishment and got a huge bonus. Yeah. And then looking back after all the therapy that I have gone through and everything that I like just to heal myself from the traumas, I realized number one, the guy couple, we're going to call him Elmo because he looks like Elmo. So Elmo, he is a major narcissist. And if anybody is listening to this and is in his team, I... I urge you to just be careful, okay? He loves to control all the women in his life, from his wife to his mom, and I was I was one of them. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claim standard-approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a Cotton Modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect, effortless outfit. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com MLM, code MLM. And he, he literally controlled my money, my family. He used a lot of the things that I was passionate about as a way to manipulate and control me and like put me in this box. I get emotional and just, I still get shivers when I think about him because he truly affected my life. So I would come up to them and like call them out. Like, are you guys talking about me? Like when they go on stage, they like talk about the things that you did wrong, but they never come up to you to tell you that it's the you they're talking about. They're like, well, you know, I mean, you didn't check with us, you know, without doing it. And I was like, well, we went to the same high school. Like, that's so awesome. Why haven't you done it? And then it made sense looking back as I was going through therapy, they were like, exactly. Because they hadn't done it. And you did something so great before they did it at your level, you literally just like, Mm -hmm. you got them pissed. Basically they felt offended and now they're pissed because Mm -hmm. you did something bigger and better than they did at your level. Mm -hmm. And they constantly made me feel guilty. They constantly made me feel like I'm the worst person ever if I didn't do things their way. And it was very traumatic. Yeah, we we truly believe that network marketing is a breeding ground for narcissists and psychopaths. 100%. I believe that my mentor was a psychopath. Hers was a narcissist. It's just, I'm not saying everyone in it is that, but it's just designed for people like that to thrive. For sure. Yeah. It's just, oh my gosh. It's just, it's it's just, it's, oh my gosh. So, wow. Wow. You know, these are, these are people you look up to. So like, whenever I would piss him off, like I genuinely would get scared. Oh my gosh, what would he do? Because he would threaten me that he would take my whole business away. He would threaten me to kick me out of the team. He would threaten to take everything that I built the years that I was already in and take it all away. 
he would constantly threaten me like, you promised your mom that you were going to hit this rank at this year and you're still not there. What are you doing? And everyone knows like I've built my life to be able to give back to my mom. Mm -hmm. So he would use these pain points to control me, manipulate me to hit these ranks, obviously because it would benefit him. You know, and whenever I didn't hit the ranks, it was no problem. Someone else will hit it and he would force them and convince them and pressure them to do it. And he would just throw that in my face and I would just cry, be super depressed and just do everything and anything that I could to make him proud. So I can always be like his best friend. But looking back, it was just a way for me to be in his controlling box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I would also say the other side of that $8,000 coin yeah. that you could have spent it on Amway products. Yeah. Oh, and that product. would have given them, you know, a bigger bonus, et cetera, et cetera. So they're looking at it like, oh, well, you know, why would you just randomly give it to some random person when you could keep it in Amway too? Right? Yeah, that was one of the strategies we'd have is we'd calculate what our check's going to be. So we knew, okay, well, I can spend this amount and I'm going to get that money back. So I wouldn't make anything, but then I I would use that to cover my orders. Yeah. And they would say, now that we, you know, invest in all these things, they would say that like, oh yeah, this is an investment into your business and it's going to double and triple your income. No, you invest a thousand dollars in products and you'll get like a $50 check the following month. What kind of business investment is that? We were not entrepreneurs. People yeah, think that know. they are. They're not. This right. is not running your own business. No, not at all. So what did the recruiting process look like in Jamaica, Paul? Yeah. All oh, right. So Lori. let me share a, a happier story than what she just shared. <laughs> Although I can relate to everything she said. Same thing with my mentors. They would do every time I did anything because I was the poster boy for what to do wrong because I actually had emotions and my yeah. upline was a psychopath with no emotions. Right. So anytime I did anything, he would go and train on stage the next day. Like, don't do this. And I'm like, shit, I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my dream has always been to travel. And I heard Amway uh, not just BWW, but all of Amway was launching in Jamaica for the first time, which is very rare for them to open in a new country. I heard they were opening. I mean, my dream is to travel and be on a beach. I said, if I build this, I get to go to Jamaica all the time. <laughs> so I flew as a 20-year-old college student by myself to the country of Jamaica. Everyone thought I was crazy. They thought I would never come back. Everyone said, it's dangerous. Don't go. But then I'd speak to the Jamaicans. They'd say, it's wonderful. Come. And so just through social media, I connected with hundreds and hundreds of people started building a team before I went, although I couldn't register them until the official launch date. I flew down there, spent two weeks in a hotel, showed hundreds of people the business plan, end up connecting uh, with one of my good friends now, Mark, who ended up building a massive team who led me to another lady named Renee. She went platinum really quickly at like 19 years old. And then actually led us to another team in the middle of nowhere. Like you think Jamaica's middle of nowhere, like farmland area, these pastors of a church Basically, their entire, like, this is an area where you don't even need a job to survive. You can live off of, like, bananas and pineapples and coconuts. And and they just went old school Amway. And they would buy themselves and their team $20,000, $30,000 worth of product every month and just sell it and move it. But here's the issue. So I got to back check for a second. Most of the people in the business that we were, were building, they were making a majority of their money from BWW, from their training system. And that's where they were able to control people. Amway, you know, was just about buy the product, sell the products, get other salespeople. 
But where people get lost, where majority of the income was coming was that BWW income. And the higher they went up, they got paid for speaking. They would get tickets to these events for free. They would get huge amounts of money from the tool flow. They, would, they created eventually these terrible apps that were supposed to be like WhatsApp or whatever, but were terrible, but we would still have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where all their money would come from. That's where their control went through. But in Jamaica, they're very independent, strong-willed people. And a lot of my people did not plug into that. And so they just went the old Amway school route. And so they got very little help from my uplines because my uplines knew they could not control these people. So I had a couple, Andrea and Junior, they, in middle of nowhere pastors, they went Q12 two years in a row, got a $15,000 bonus check one year, a $20,000 bonus check another year. And that's, it's a 200 of their dollars to one US dollar. So that like, yeah, was huge. He literally changed people's oh, lives. Wow. Yeah. But they got no help because my uplines knew they could not control these people. So he was the one going out to Jamaica 15 times. 15 times I went them. out there in about five years. I loved it. I mean, I would go there. I would hand out personal development books and audios to these people who've never gotten anything. And they would stand in a line just because I would just give them for free. I would just you give didn't them because yeah. I didn't care because I knew business or no business, I was helping these people. Hmm. Um, and I created some great friends and we did help a lot of people and they made some good money um, because it was pure. And I knew my upline had very little influence over hmm. it. It's very sad and how it all turned out. They realized eventually that they didn't want to make, they weren't going to make that much money with this unless they kept selling products. And so eventually it kind of fell apart. Eventually my uplines tried to steal that whole team from me. It's kind of crazy how that ended up working out. Yeah, Yeah. we just showed the plan like crazy over there and everyone, we just mastered recruiting and people would like, they couldn't afford the products. Like they'd have to take the laundry detergent, which has like a hundred uses, put like three uses in a bag and go sell it door to door. People didn't have credit cards. And then the one last piece is they also had, we had to run an import export business because Amway didn't get the products that Jamaica for us. We had to figure out how to get them in there, get them through customs. They would order a product. Sometimes it'd take three months. The person would quit by the time their products arrived. <laughs> We'd have to pay an extra 30% on top of the Amway cost for the customs fees. So we had to figure out how to run an import-export business and then run an Amway business in a, in a third world country. It was a crazy experience, but I'm grateful that I went through it. What? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's... Like, come on. That's, that's in the just like the most wild thing I've ever even heard of. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the, the ROI on Amway products is not very good. If, if these people had been maybe selling another product that had a better return, they could have probably done really great, but they're just selling the pyramid scheme product yeah. where, yeah. where the, the, the money is not in the selling of the product. Right. And, and they're like, we can't, we can't keep it. Everybody has the, t- the detergent. Everybody has the soap. Everybody has the energy drinks. We're all stocked up here. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can tell that Paul really just cared about them because did you make a ton? Like when people hear hundreds, hundreds of people in my team in Jamaica, like even myself as an audience member listening to Paul on stage, talk about how he just helped four or five people hit this rank. You're thinking, damn, homeboy is rolling in the dough. No, no. I didn't no. make that much money. Because Never. the marketing plan sucks. Yeah, because the marketing plans just set up where like, even though I had two massive teams, one in the Midwest and Wisconsin, one in Jamaica, I still made no more than a couple thousand a month, which I reinvested all, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then his uplines didn't want to help him because they didn't, they didn't have the money to pay 
what was it? 50, 60, $70 a month on education, like the books and yeah, the apps and stuff like it. that. They couldn't afford it. So they were like, we're just going to sell. So his upline was like, I'm not going to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So he was the one going to Jamaica because he truly cared about these people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and then his mentors treated him like shit because he, they saw that he had a good heart. He was in it for, to help the people not to take advantage of people to make money off of them. Mm -hmm. That's Jamaica story. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So where does your guys' story come back into oh. this? Oh, yeah. Okay, so somewhere after that, in the middle of that, somewhere I don't know, that. Um, that whole bus situation happened where we had each other's phone numbers and then uh, we were on the bus together. We got to know each other. And I remember very specifically, I just happened to take a photo with her at a, one of the events, uh, which wasn't a big deal, but I used her upline's hashtag. And this guy is so controlling that he looks at every post of every hashtag. And like, to me, on my mind, I just, I literally just wrote like kick butt, young single lady entrepreneur. To me, there was nothing to it. I was just posting a photo, but I, he's never called me before, but he called me and was like, <laughs> basically like, what's going on? Are you two talking? Like, you can't do this anymore. Take down the photo. You know, you guys aren't allowed to talk anymore. And then from then on, I was even at meetings, I barely was allowed to say hello to her yeah what yeah it was very sad so so he called him and like you said he was nice to you I think right? he, he didn't go as hard as he went on you because yeah. he didn't know me as well so then he pulled me to the side and was like you broke one of the rules you can't be cross-lining I was like what are you talking about he's like I know you've been talking to Paul Nelson if you keep it up I'm gonna kick you out of the team and I'm just like okay I mean I'm now I'm just like whatever but back then I was like oh shit like I, I can't talk to you anymore. I can't talk to you. So I literally blocked him and I was so afraid. Yeah. I was just so afraid um, because I didn't want to break rules. I didn't want to get kicked out of the team. You know, I was a leader and he was like, you're a leader. Like you're supposed to be an example. What are people going to think you're single? He's single. They're going to think you're dating. And then like their biggest fear was that he would take me so I can be a part of his team or vice versa. Like have yeah, him come to my we're, team. We're assets. We're not people. Yeah. Know? We're dollar signs to them. So I mean, is that the main reason for no cross lining that in like talking and going, wait, that weird thing happened to me too. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly That's it. They exactly don't want anyone. It. No spreading negativity. Right? right. So we could only talk positive things. And if we got to know each other's cross lines, we'd realize, Oh my gosh, you're having the same issues that I'm having, but they don't yeah, want that. They don't want that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was afraid and I, I couldn't even talk to Paul like at all, which is really sad because, you know, we always had a thing for each other and we kind of liked each other, never really said anything. We couldn't say anything. So we would just be like, Hey Paul, good to see you. Oh my gosh. I don't think we even hugged handshake. That was oh, it. Yeah, that was it. The first time we hugged was when I saw him for the first time, like after we reconnected, we couldn't even hug. That, that was the, how we met the first time. And that was like, maybe like eight years ago. Maybe. Seven, eight years Seven, ago. Seven, eight years ago. About 14, 2015, maybe. Yeah. Well, so then how did you get back in touch? <laughs> I'm like hanging on every word. I was like. <laughs> well, we got to well, explain how we ended up leaving. Let's talk about how we exited. Oh, that's okay. when we reconnected. Is, that was the only way we could reconnect. The last straw, right? I got started in like 2010. And from 2010 till about 2017, I was hitting ranks, like boom, 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 growing my team, like all the things, getting recognized, everything, boom, 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 boom. 2017, my mentors were reaching this level called Diamond and it's one of the biggest levels in and they Amway. Were very young. And they were very young. I think they were like 
24, 25, like they were one of the youngest to do it. Hood kids, like she grew up in the Bronx. He grew up in Jersey City. Like it was like a big deal. All right. So me being one of their largest organizations, I had to reach the next level called Emerald because that was like the thing. When your upline goes diamond, their largest organization goes Emerald. Let me explain. So going platinum is 7,500 points every month. Yeah. Then your goal is to break platinum legs, right? When you have three platinum legs, you're an Emerald. When you have six platinum legs, then you're a diamond. So I was a Q12. A Q12 means qualified 12 months of 7,500. So I would hit that rank 12 months. And then I hit Ruby in 2015, where you do 15,000 points, no platinums. It's just you and all your team do 15,000 points, which is about what 50, 60 grand in product sales in, in all the teams. The next step was to break platinum. So then I broke one platinum leg, right? One person that went platinum, but that team was so big that they ended up being six platinums in that one team. Does that only count as one platinum because they're all on the same leg? So yeah. we don't. You're going to make money off that. Yeah. You want to know what the fucked up thing is, which I'm still pissed till this day, even though I let it go. I'm no longer an Amway, so it doesn't matter. All those six people that went platinum were people that I recruited, people that I knew. And so instead of doing them like horizontal, they told me to stack them up together. But if they were, you know, in, in different organizations, I would have won diamond, you know, but they recommended that I stack them all together. That was another bad idea those are all my people, right? That I brought and them keep in. in mind. So her upline Emerald or Diamond are making tremendous amount of money off of the tool flow because each platinum is flowing, whatever, 50, a hundred books a week. Yeah. A week. Uh, 50 CDs a week or a hundred CDs a week. Each of these CDs are eight cost them $0 to make, but we're paying eight, $10 for them. The books are paying $20 for them and they're making a huge amount of income from that. When I or her hit Emerald, they lose that income. So they're incentivized to not want us to grow because once we go Emerald, the income would come to us. So keep that in mind. They don't want us to grow. So like my upland diamond, I think in certain for times he'd be making maybe five grand in his Amway business, but probably 20, 30 grand in his BWW business in a month. Yeah. So they don't want you to hit Emerald until the very last possible second to get them to diamond because they're going to lose all of that income mm-hmm. until they hit diamond. Okay. Yeah, like my upline diamond didn't have an emerald break for many, many years because now I see why. Yeah. Now we see why. So when they were going diamond, they were like, okay, we need an emerald. And obviously Michelle is first in line because she's the biggest organization, whatever. I had one check. Everything is good. Now I'm pressuring my second organization, which were really good friends of mine. Um, one of them was my roommate, Jarellis, and we lived together and she, she spent most of her savings, like five, six, $7,000 trying to hit like these ranks to help me go Emerald. Then her upline was doing the same thing up. The other upline was doing the same thing. They hit month one of 7,500 points. And that like, honestly, I, I couldn't even celebrate very well because it was just like the amount of money that they put into this is just like, it was so crazy. And the fact that they even like my mentors like pressured it and like, like made it like made it a thing. It was just, it was so much. So they got recognized. Now word is out. Michelle is in Sapphire qualification. So everybody is looking at me and now I'm feeling the pressure that I have to continue. They have to continue as well to do the same thing they did month one. They have to do it for another five months in a row. And I was like, there was a point where we were at a diner and it was month two. It was like towards the middle to the end of the month. And they were at like 2000 points. 
and they had to hit 7,500 points. And I was like, don't do it. It's not even worth it. And he was like, gosh, like, what can we do? I said, it's not worth it. Next thing you know, I never saw them at a meeting again. They couldn't, they couldn't deal with showing face for not continuing the qualifications. So that whole team, oh and it was God. a brother, it was like a family, that whole team just completely disappeared. And it was, these were people that were in business for like, for since I was in, and they were like a family, you know, that I cared and loved and all the things. So they just disappeared. A couple months later, again, didn't show face. I had another third organization that my mentor was like, well, get him to do it. And this was a guy that was in Virginia and he was studying at one of the schools in Virginia. And I would travel five hours every weekend from New Jersey to Virginia. I would wake up at 4 a.m. to get there by 9 a.m. to do meetings and product sales and all that stuff to get this young college student who was like a football player to get him to hit platinum. And they were just pressuring me to do whatever I needed to do. Young guy, college student, do whatever I needed to do. Okay. Uh, you get it? Family values. Okay. To make sure that I hit it that hit that rank and help him hit that rank. No way. There was no way that that was going to happen. So then I'm on the phone, not crying all the things, letting my mentor know, there's no way that I'm going to hit this level. I'm like crying my eyes out. I let them down. And all they, all they said was just like, well, that's your fault. You're off our book. Their other leg ended up going Emerald. I don't even know. I mean, I know how he pressured the hell out of his second and third organization. You know, the, another thing they do is that they get like people with high six figure incomes to sign up into their business. And they just use their income to buy all these products. That's exactly what this guy did. So he went Emerald. And it was like this big thing that this guy went Emerald before Michelle they would like bring him on stage. And then my Elmo would be like, yeah, you know, sometimes the people that you've been with for a long time, they're not the ones that step up to the plate and make shit happen. You know, sometimes it's the person that you meet years later. And I'm in the back of the meeting crying my eyes out because I just let this guy that, you know, my mentor that I looked up to, that's like my everything, my all savior, whatever, you know, I just let him down because I, there was no way that I was going to hit that level. No, absolutely no way. There was no way that I had the non-heart that this guy had to do what he did to go Emerald. Like there was no way that I was able to do that. So I felt so bad, so guilty. That was in 2017. You know, Elmo and his wife go diamond. It was this really, really big thing. There was like 20, 30,000 people. Again, I just felt bad because I wasn't getting recognized and everybody else in the team did the craziest shit to be able to hit these ranks so they can get recognized the same night that these this couple went diamond. And I'm just in the back, sobbing, crying. I'm not a part of the celebration. And it was just terrible. The following year, they switched up the business plan to go from the four basics, the four steps, to what we call the process. So now this is 2018. I'm bringing you into a timeline because it'll make sense. In 2018, the process comes out. And this was during the time that people are still qualifying to hit these levels. So imagine you're qualifying to hit these levels. And then in the middle of your qualification, the business, the way you do business just shifts. People were freaking out. But because I didn't reach levels or I didn't reach my pin, it, I was at a really like a clean slate. So I took the time to really study the process. And I was listening to audios and really seeing how the people in Worldwide, which I, I'm, I think you interviewed a couple people, 
how they were doing things. So I was listening to people like Trevor and Lexi Baker. I was listening to all these people that what they do is they put people through like a six week qualification interview process. They have them read books and like all this stuff. So instead of showing the plan, sign you up, you basically have to qualify to sign up. So at this point, I'm like, yo, clearly what I've been doing doesn't work. So I'm ready for a change. So I took a little bit of a step back and I'm studying this process. Elmo and, and his wife are telling people like, we are not going to do it just as yet. Like, let's continue the qualifications. We're not going to do it. I'm like, fuck all you guys. You guys continue your celebration. I'm going to figure this out. I studied it. I did all the things. And I realized like, oh, this is going to be a better way for me to do my business. So because I adopted it earlier than what they did, and then I started to take a step back from the way I used to do business, I realized like, yo, something is going on here. I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm overweight. My skin is like deteriorating. And I realized I'm like, I couldn't even recognize myself. I was like, what is happening to me? And one of the things that the process helped me do, which is one of the things that I feel like it, it was a benefit that came from it. Like when I started to stop listening to what my mentors were teaching, when they wanted to keep it old school, it helped me kind of take a step back and realize like, what am I doing? Because what the process taught you is like, live your life, meet people. And if, you know, if you guys vibe, then bring them through a qualification process and get them started and have them do the same thing. So that's what I started doing. I got off social media so they can stop stalking me. And I actually started to live my life on the DL. Like I couldn't tell anybody. I hired a fitness trainer. Nobody knew. I started going to concerts. I got a job. Like this is stuff that I couldn't even tell anybody. I was doing it on the, and then eventually word got out. People started noticing that I'm working out, that I got a job, that I got this, and that I wasn't really doing the business the way that my ex-mentors were teaching. So you know what they did? Michelle is losing weight. She's taking care of herself. She's doing things differently. Take her off the speaking schedule. Everybody here, you cannot talk to Michelle anymore. Don't, you can't sit next to her anymore. Like when I would walk in, people would look at me and, and walk away. Like all the things. They took me off the schedule of a meeting that I created. But why? Because I, was, I wasn't doing business their way anymore. Because they couldn't control they her. They couldn't control me anymore. I was, I like started opening up my mind a little bit by doing things a little bit differently. Wow. Just because they started to realize that you were not as easy to control and that you were doing what you wanted to do. Yeah. And they I started, started to excommunicate you. Yes. And I actually started to look good and feel good about myself. Roberta, I never felt good about myself. I had to put a mask all the time. I was overweight, yeah. unhealthy. My confidence came through the edification that I would get from my mentors. My confidence came when I would speak on stages. My confidence came when I would get recognition for hitting ranks. But when they stripped that away from me, I realized that, oh my gosh, I have no confidence. I'm no longer getting edification from my mentors. They stopped saying my name on stages and people started noticing like, yo, Elmo's not saying Michelle's name anymore. Like he used to like praise this girl and talk about all the great things she's doing. Stop saying my name, took me off the schedule. People started to complain to him. Like, hey, when is Michelle going to speak? Because I was a pretty good speaker. I was actually Paul's, She was the best speaker. Paul, I was Paul's favorite speaker. Everyone else would go on for two, three hours. She'd be done in 30 minutes. Okay. Come on. Quick. Boom, 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 boom. Quick plant, right? And I would make it engaging and, you know, like theatrical. That's my background, right? So, like, I would always keep people engaged. When people found out that I was showing the plan, the most people would travel from, like, Connecticut and Boston and, and would come and show the plan. If it was somebody else, it would be dead zone, you know? And they hated that. So when they took me off the schedule, they, people were complaining, like, 
when is Michelle going to speak again? And, and Elmo used to get so pissed. And he was like, my wife is going to go on stage and she's going to show you guys how it's done. And people are like, okay, but when is Michelle speaking? <laughs> like, like, and people were just so confused. But what people started to see was me, you know, focusing on my fitness. I started doing business differently. And then I just started waking up. There was a meeting that Elmo's wife said something and it just, it clicked. And I was like, oh my God. And she was saying, you guys don't need to be like us. You know, you don't need to accomplish what we've accomplished when you guys reach these levels. You don't need to live the life that we live to reach these levels. And I'm like, really? Can you believe that? I had to wait for her to say that for me to be like, really? Oh my God, for real? And I was like, wow. oh girl. And you want to know what the li- what their lifestyle looked like when they went diamond? You would think they would buy a mansion and a car and stuff like that. No, they retired. They retired his 65-year-old mom who lives with them in this little tiny closed gated community apartment, three bedroom apartment, I don't even know. They bought a Tesla, red bottoms. They haven't even traveled anywhere. And all they do is go to meetings and do just weird things. That's all they would do. And I was just like, that's not the life that I want. I wanna travel, I wanna see the world. I wanna write books, I wanna be on podcasts. You know, I wanna inspire people. I wanna impact women, that was always my thing. I wanted to just impact women in the industry. I want to just like, I wanna do fun things. I wanna go skydiving, I wanna go scuba diving. I wanna do fun things. I was like, thank God I don't have to be like you. Say less sis, (laughs) I'm done, I am done. So I just started doing things my way and they were furious they literally excommunicated everybody for me and it got to a point where like people that I was close to like these are people that I went to their wedding I was a part of their bridesmaids court I I I was there in their engagement I was there when they found out they were pregnant like these were friends for a decade that they were told they can no longer talk to me and it was because they were married and I was single, I was feeling myself, I'm doing all these great things. And I would tell these women, like, make sure you love yourself before you love your husband, you know, make sure you have your own money before you depend on your husband. And these are the things I would tell these women, and word would get out to Elmo and his wife, and they would be like, don't take advice from a single woman, stop talking to her. And they would literally call me and be like, Michelle, I can't talk to you anymore. I was going to say the advice that you're giving is very anti Amway. Yeah. <laughs> This is when the I started culture of Amway, really. Yeah, you know? this is when I started waking up. So they were pissed. They were like, all the husbands, tell your wives to stop talking to Michelle. And like, I would get calls of girls that I've been friends with for a decade crying on the phone, like, Elmo just told me I can't talk to you anymore. And I was like, really? This girl, I, I helped her get a job at the job that I was working at. They found out that I helped her get a job. Next day, she's not at the job anymore. So I texted her cousin, who was the girl that was like, Elmo, tell me I can't talk to you more. I was like, hey. She was like, yeah, Elmo found out that you got her the job, so she can't work there anymore. (laughs) But it's not a cult. But it's not a cult. So that was 2018. 2019, I realized that I was in a cult. So I got in in 2010. It took me nine years to open my eyes. So 2018, a little bit. 2019, I was like, oh, shit. I'm in a cult. And what the fuck am I going to do? I have this whole team. I'm excommunicated now. So it makes it a little bit easier. But my roommate, who is also in my team, we would go to these meetings. Again, imagine waking up from the matrix and going to these meetings. It's, 
wildest thing ever. It's like seeing two different worlds. It was like the weirdest thing. So my roommate and I, Jarellis, we would come home after meetings and just vent to each other. Like, oh, did you notice this? And did you notice that she was like giving us a side eye when we were having our little group chat? And did you notice that? And oh my gosh, like what's going on? Next meeting, we're literally having shivers going into these meetings. Like your body starts to react a certain way when you're around weird energy. So I started getting shivers to the point where it's like, I can't come here anymore. I was like, who do I talk to in this environment that's going to believe me? Like, what the heck? So there was this mentor, there was this guy in my upline who was like a father figure to me. And he was really the one that talked to my mom and helped me sign up and all the things. So Elmo and his wife surpassed him to the point where we were not allowed to talk to the father figure, right? His name is Ray. So we were not allowed to talk to Ray and his wife, Tamara. So all of a sudden, this man who was in my life for three, four years and helped me build my business. He drove from New Jersey to the Bronx with his pregnant wife to talk to my mom, make sure I'm okay and all the things. And he was a true father figure to me. He just disappears. And I had his number and we were not allowed to text him. When we would go to big functions, we were not allowed to hug him or say hi to him. This was somebody that was a father figure in my life. Like I never had issues with him. He was great. And sometimes we would go back to those times when he was in, in our lives in the business. And it was a different time. It was, it was truly like a community, like a family. And he ended up leaving. But on Father's Day, I would always send him texts like happy Father's Day. Like I don't have a lot of father figures in my life. I'm not really close to my dad. So he was like a father figure to me. So I would text him a happy Father's Day all the time. And I would text it to him secretly. At the 2019 though, since I'm excommunicated, I just texted him. I was like, hey, happy Father's Day. Like, is there any way that I can just talk to you? I just, I have to share what I've been feeling and I have no one to talk to. So long story short, I, a couple days before I get to talk to him, I have a dream with him. I don't know if you're spiritual or anything, but when God is giving me signs about something, like he talks to me in dreams. So I had a dream with him a couple days before I got to talk to him and I was like, okay, I'm going to talk to him. So we're good. And then at the time I was struggling so bad. I was driving Uber at night just to make extra money. And my passenger, the address that I dropped her off at was the address that that mentor lived at when I first started the business. And one of my first meetings were, so I was like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm talking to him tomorrow. So wow. Yeah. That's a sign for sure. So then I get on the phone with him and I, for three and a half hours, girl, I just bawled out and told him everything that I had been experiencing for seven years that I did not get to talk to him. And the last thing he said to me when, when I vented for three hours, he was like, I went through the same thing. And he literally had to move from New Jersey to Tennessee to get away from the craziness that was going on with Elmo and his wife. They made his life a living hell because they outgrew him and they didn't want him to touch our team. The uplines on top of that, which were like the Indian couple that were bigger diamonds, they had their mansion and all the things, they made their life more of a living hell because this guy, Ray, he really loved us and he really like molded these young 17-year-olds and he was like a father to us and he just wanted to be in our lives. And they were like, no, absolutely not. You're not allowed. Don't talk to them ever away again. Get out. And he had to move to Tennessee to get away from this. So he ended up working with a completely separate team and they were doing the process, how I was studying. And I was like, oh my gosh, do you have, is there any way that you can mentor me again? Like, 
that was my idea to get away from Elmo's team. And he was like, Michelle, you're better off quitting. You're better off quitting. And I was like, I can't do that. My ego cannot let go of this business. So in 2019, I made the decision that I was going to go work with Ray and the new team that he was working with. That was my first step to exiting. And what that took was legal issues with Amway because Elmo told Amway that I was trying to work with someone else, but Amway was like, um, no, he's, he's in her upline. So she could do that. And he was like, they were like, no. So he made it even more difficult. He told everybody that I was quitting and leaving the business. So everybody had to unfollow me on social media block my number, don't talk to me ever again, all the things. Thing saying you couldn't talk to them. I had to sign paperwork saying that I will never talk to anybody on my team ever again, sign it, send it to Amway Legal. And Amway Legal even had to tell me how to behave and orchestrate the way that I communicate with people at conferences, what I can say, what can I not say, all these different things. And when I went to the next conference, I was verbally attacked because I was there with, a, with Ray now. They verbally attacked me to the point where I was shaking so bad that I fell to the ground and Ray had to like help me and like give me oxygen and all the things. I had to go backstage and I was like, they were yelling at me for leaving their team. And like, they were like, I hate you. We hate you. We hate your guts and this and that. And like, you will never talk to us again. We know all your secrets. We will tell people everything, blah, blah. I went through all that. You know, after that, I was just like, I'm so done with this team. And I just, and then COVID happened and I was quarantined for six months in New Jersey. And during that time, Ray and Tamara, myself, and a couple other bigger pins I had left BWW, we all came together and realized we're in a cult. And we all mm-hmm. literally mastermind on how to exit. And the way that I exited is I unsubscribed from all the apps through BWW. The last conference I ever attended was January, 2019. The last draw for me, cause I was going to go to another conference. The last draw for me, they were having a virtual conference, like during lockdown. April of 2020 during lockdown. And they had the audacity to charge the same amount of money that you would pay when you would go in person, 120 bucks where the tickets not allowed to share you have to pay separate you can't share the ticket so you can't buy like one ticket and have everybody come over and like no. watch it together and for like a watch party they are, they yeah. are thieves like yeah. they, they could have easily said you know what people are struggling right now let's lower costs like, yeah let's people share nope now they they don't have to pay for anything anymore the venue is their biggest cost all that's gone but we still had to all pay yeah i didn't pay for that shit <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that that's when we left and then it wasn't until Paul and I started dating um, that I let go of my Amway business, but I first left the Brit Worldwide system first. I, that's the first company that I left. I subscribed. I like just stopped associating. I stopped listening to their podcast. And that was a level of freedom that I never thought I existed. I, I was able to listen to like Apple podcasts that were free for the first time ever in 10 years, almost 10 years. You know, I was reading books that were not approved by BWW and I can read it whenever I wanted, you know, like we had to read 15 minutes every night. Like that was something we had to do and we had to show proof and take photos and like all the things, you know, who Um, else has to read 15 minutes every night? My 11 year old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They treat us like kids. It's a perfect example. Um, I started like going out, you know, and having dinners with my friends. This is stuff I, I didn't do for 10 years. I was able to have my mom come over and spend the weekend with my mom. This was a whole new level of freedom that I had not seen. I literally escaped. 
a cult. And I was living life one more time. And then during that time, someone has sent me a podcast that, that it was Paul and his ex, well, his ex mentor who was one of his best friends that got him into the business as to why they left Amway. So right around the time that I left, Paul had left. Someone sent me the podcast that he had left. And they were like, Michelle, you have to listen to this. You wouldn't believe who just left Amway too. And it was Paul. And she recorded and then, a YouTube video of why she left too. Yeah. That went pretty Oh big. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Paul, tell us what happened to you. Uh, how did I end up leaving? Well, the Jamaica thing was really the highlight for me because I, my goal was to travel, but I could only travel when they would let me. Right. And so this was the perfect excuse because I would go, yeah, I'd do some business, but I was there because I just wanted to be there. But eventually that, that kind of recognition and excitement off of that faded after like, I think we had a bit, a lot of results in 2014, 2015, and that started to fade. You know, there ends up being this big divide, what my life is really like and what I portray in the, in the business world, you know, which some people do that on social media, right? The real life, what they put on social. But in this case, it's like this act, the moment I'm at an event, the moment around people, it's like, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then the reality. What I loved about Jamaica, there was none of that because these people read bullshit this is, this is just how their culture is. I wasn't used to it. Like in America, I had to spend 30 minutes convincing people why it's a good idea to have extra income. But as that started to fade, my life was falling apart. You know, I barely graduated college. I've been kicked out multiple times. I, I couldn't afford it. I, my parents are paying for it. My life, I couldn't hold down any jobs. I kept quitting jobs because I kept saying, you know, I'm going to be rich in Amway. I don't need it. And I also just never found a passion. You know, I was so unhappy and depressed and wasn't dealing with it because I was putting on this act all the time. And so things really started falling apart in 2015. I was going back and forth between living with my parents and living in some random basement of somebody's house. It was just uh, the worst, but like I was just trying to avoid any kind of responsibility and dealing with anything. And, you know, the nice thing of Wisconsin rent is... I was paying like $300 a month in rent. So it's like, I could survive. Um, but I got my dream job at the time. Then I got fired. And I, but I still had to keep putting on this act. And then at the end of 2015, I really hit rock bottom. I broke a cardinal rule when I pursued a, a downline of mine that I was interested in dating. And they like got really, really upset. And I know all they wanted to do was kick me out. I always felt misunderstood in this team because I knew I had a lot of value. I built a massive team in the Midwest when I was young that's still there today. I built a massive team in Jamaica that they couldn't even do, mm. but they never appreciated any value of me. And I realize now seeing that they're so psychopathic that they have no empathy. They don't see the value that I bring, right? They just see the results of what have you done for me lately? It doesn't matter what I've done in the past. What have you done for me lately? Mm. And so that was just killing me. So eventually I had to leave Wisconsin because I couldn't be around them. At least when I went back to the East coast, I was around my family. I got to be away from them, plug in events with Michelle and just kind of not really, I wasn't really actively building the business anymore. I was just kind of going through the motions and trying to find a way to get my soul happy and build this business. Cause some people can push through, but I just was unable. Like if this didn't sit right with my soul, I couldn't move forward. And after Jamaica, I'm just like, where do I go next? And I just could never find that. And I just, I had some loyal people that stuck with me. But like, I never could stay consistent and passionate about doing the work anymore. Something happened where I really started working on myself. I got involved in another kind of culty-ish program, which is a personal development program, but much less culty, but still a little bit culty. (laughs) Um, But they started empowering me to think for myself. 
mm. to be accountable, to, to actually honor my word and trust myself. And I started taking care of my health. And then I actually created, and I, I had a tumor that I had to have removed. Uh, and that was another really difficult point. But I said, I'm going to come out of this. And I came out of that. I started running. I ran two marathons. I got like really into taking care of myself. And the, just like Michelle, the more I started feeling good about myself, the less they cared about me, mm-hmm. the less they wanted anything to do with me. I remember one of the last times I saw my and I gave him a present and he couldn't even give a, a shit, you know? <laughs> and the last time I saw him, I don't have much contact, but there's one person that I've been friends with since even before MLM days that's still in and we barely talk anymore. But I went to visit him and kind of pressured me to go see my upline, which I didn't want to do, waited to the last minute, finally went to see him. And it was just the weirdest experience, this guy, you know, his wife, who's such a loving, free spirit, he manipulated her to become just like him. And there was no love there. And I'm, I'm going in, I'm hoping he'll give me a hug, see how I'm doing. But no, all he wanted to do is plan out the next event. And I'm just like, why am I here? And then he takes a photo of me in this new like secret hidden room in his house that he built and his sister who's the master manipulator founds out and like calls me out on it's like you can't be in this photo like we can't you're not even doing the work how can you be in this and like I didn't take the photo I didn't post the photo like he did that Mm -hmm. but she's just this master and this is the issue because these people study people skills Mm -hmm. and they think of that as a good thing. But what they're really teaching is how to master manipulate, how to use people skills to manipulate people. And that's how they get good at recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. They trick and manipulate people to get them in and then they remove everything else so that they're stuck. Right. And then they're all they know. I mean, I got in because I wanted to not have a job. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I thought that this was the solution. I thought MLM was the way. And it took till I left to realize, no, actually, there's a million things better than this. <laughs> that kind of divide just kept growing and growing to a point where I remember, I, I think it was at the beginning of 2020 or 2019, where I'm just like, last year, I went to barely any events. I went to a few conferences. Why am I spending money? Am I just going to do this another year? Like, yeah. I remember one time I flew from New York to like, I don't know, some random city. It cost me a few thousand dollars oh. to go to this event, pay for hotel. And I was the only one there. And nobody even gave a shit that I was there. And I'm like, why am I doing this anymore? Right. Like, what's what's the point? And so my friend Mark from Jamaica ended up being the one to be like, bro, you are in a cult. He had already left. Uh, The person who had brought me into business, he had already left. And I was trying to understand why, but he hadn't told me yet (laughs) because he didn't think I was ready. And so he's like, bro, look up a cult. And I was like, every single thing, basically, aside from the religious aspect, it wasn't so much with my team, just, you know, the overall Brit team, very much a Christian organization, but with my team specifically, they're very much like atheist and didn't have that, that kind of role. But I remember just, uh, it took me days of talking to him to like accept it. And I had bought my ticket for the next event and I went and returned it and was just like, got off everything. And it was really difficult. Mm -hmm. So this, this is the best part. So during... (laughs) 
during lockdown, a week before everything was getting shut down, I'm in Denver. I fly out to California for a work trip. And they said, you didn't have to go because this was things were starting to get crazy. And I said, no, I want to go. And my plan was after that, uh, it was in San Fran to fly down to Orange County to see the guy who had brought me in and had left because I wanted to know why. And nobody, they don't talk about it, right? right. They don't say why he left and I mm-hmm. couldn't find out. And so finally I said, all right, I'm going to go spend a week with him. But then what ended up happening, once I got to him, things were starting to shut down. So I just said, you know what, I'll just hang out with you. And so we ended up saying, you know, things are going to lock down. We might as well be by the beach. <laughs> so we rented a place right on the beach in San Diego. And for a month, we just lived right on the water. And I spent this entire time in like rapid cult detox healing because he helped me like empower me to like talk about this and to actually leave all the WhatsApp groups that I was in because we were in a million of them. And I remember when I finally got the courage to leave, only one person even asked, like, why did you leave? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Nobody else did. Nobody I thought cares. it was this big deal. And he's like, why are you still in these groups? Because like, I was afraid of, of leaving them, but they were total waste. So I finally left those groups, had so many conversations. We ended up going from there over to Nevada, Death Valley National Park. And another month of just rapid detox, like we were camping in the sand dunes every weekend, which we're not supposed to do, but we did it because <laughs> the park was closed and we were just enjoying life and just healing yeah. and actually Something big in network marketing, which I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, international students are not legally allowed to be in network marketing in the United States. It's against the law. Now, it's not something you're necessarily going to get arrested for, but they can get deported if somebody finds out about this. They're not allowed to. He's from China. He went Emerald, built a massive team. I was just one of his groups uh, of thousands of people made mostly up of international students. And they'd always told him, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Like, it's a gray area. Blah, blah, blah. But then one of his best friends got deported over it because they also teach these international students to get like five degrees, you know, so that they can get student visas and not leave the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got in trouble because he he did something else like with that, where he pretended he was getting a degree, but he wasn't. But then everything together led to him getting deported. And he started talking to lawyers and realizing this is illegal. And so we're like, we have to record a podcast, share our story. So we finally did. Uh, it was beautiful. I'll share it with you. You definitely would love it. Yeah, it I, I love that. Watching yeah. the sunset in Nevada, sitting, uh, looking at the stars, just talking, kind of like an interview style with me and him and sharing why, what, what our experiences were. But at this time, nobody knew that I was leaving. And my friend who brought me in, he had left, but he never said anything. <laughs> so they thought that they like had him under control. Like yeah. they thought that he was good. He wasn't going to say anything, but he waited because he wanted to heal and he's a master ninja. So like <laughs> he knew like, wait until they don't expect it. Yeah. Like literally days before our psychopath mentor was texting him about how to, how to illegally report the income so that they, uh, they won't get in trouble as international students. They get into this belief that they can't be caught. Um, so when we put out this podcast on all social medias, it, everybody was listening to it because they weren't prepared for us to do this. Yeah. And people went crazy. I was so afraid. You have no idea. I've never been this afraid in my life. <laughs> but you know what was happening on Beautiful on the other side is the number of people that reached out and said, thank you. Yeah. And said, oh my gosh, like I left a few years ago and I've been, nobody speaks up. Nobody talks about this. And this is why they do this cross-signing thing because everyone's feeling the same thing right. and they don't want us to communicate it. And we helped so many people. And I spent months healing with him 
and it was beautiful. And what's so great is he kept connecting with other people that had left or that were leaving to get like the inside scoop. And we heard the craziest stories, people losing hundreds of thousands of dollars, the craziest stuff of people overdrawing at one bank in order to use that money at another bank in order to pay for this and that. Like we hear from every different team, we every different upline who quit, we were getting all their stories stealing they love to steal people like when you if you're not around they'll get the person to quit re-register them that's like mm -hmm. a big thing that's what happened in jamaica they they say they were family we love you we're going to help you but if you're not in the leg that they're building they will not help you and so my jamaica team they were like well we want help and so she's like well you better transfer if you want to help otherwise i won't help you mm -hmm. and it's such bullshit and so i said no and they they weren't allowed to but this happened all the time we just got a text of somebody doing it recently. This is what they do. And they have no empathy, no care, because it's whatever it takes. And because of that, Michelle heard that podcast. We reconnected. And it's an amazing thing what's happened since then. Yeah. Who reached out to who first? <laughs> well, so she connected with my friend Hugh, who's the one who got me in and got me out. Yeah. And Hugh was a really big rank in the business. So yeah. when I heard this podcast that he had left, I was I was really shocked because he was someone that like I looked up to and like we had a little bit of competition to, you know. And then so I spoke to Hugh for three hours after listening to their two hour podcast. And I just told him everything that went down. And then he was also helping me like bring it up to like the legals and like, like, cause my story was pretty wild. And then it ended up being that he was living with Paul and yeah. I was like, Oh, tell Paul I said, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be like, I would love to talk to Paul too and see like how it went. So it wasn't until a few weeks later that me and Paul got on zoom and it wasn't nothing crazy. I mean, I always kind of had to think for him. He kind of had to think for me. Um, but I was, again, I was experiencing a level of freedom that I never experienced ever. So I was just living in this like fantastic Same. bubble, you know, we were just free. We were finally free. And I was finally at a place where I felt so good being single because they always made me feel some type of way for not being married to my downline or my upline, you know? So I felt so good and they always made me feel bad for being single too, um, like they will always say something is wrong with you if you're single, something is wrong with you if a man doesn't want to marry you. Like it's not, don't feel proud to be a single woman within the industry. So I was finally at a place where I felt so good about myself and about my relationship status that I was just like, oh, I'm so happy to be connected with you, Paul. You're fantastic. And I was just out living my life, you know. But then Paul and I just kept texting, kept texting, kept talking and things like that. And he invited me out to Colorado where he was living. And that was the first time I, anybody had ever invited me outside of like the East Coast to go visit them. And at this point, like we, we started to realize it took me about three months to realize. I knew I was waiting for her. <laughs> so he already knew like, this is my girl. This is my future wife, all the things. I was just like, la la la, you're so cute. Like, I'm good. I'm gonna be single for life, gonna be fine. But then it took me three months and I was like, oh my God, like, duh. I literally have a video that says, Paul Nelson is my husband. On September 1st, 2020, I realized Paul Nelson is my future husband. Oh my I God. I've seen this video. I have to show it to you. I, I, I want to show it to him when we get engaged. So he invites me out to Colorado in, in October to, to kind of figure out if this thing is real. Mind you, we're both out of the calls. I still have an Amway license, but like I wasn't buying products or anything. 
And this is something to note. I stopped buying products. I still had all those people on my team. And, and without doing anything, I was only making like a hundred bucks a month after 10 years in the business. That's how terrible the marketing plan is. If they try to tell you that you're going to make residual income, you're not. You always have to produce, you always have to work, you always have to do the things. So all these top people, like the big levels, like they're not free. They're not financially free. No, if they don't keep training, if they don't keep controlling their people, their income goes away. Yeah. Like the money I was making for Mambo was barely paying for my cell phone bill. Like, come on. Yeah. So finally we, I went out to Colorado and I stayed with him for two weeks the time we were both celibate. So we stayed in different rooms. Like we just really respected each other. And we had the best time. Again, this is, we are so free. He took me on my first hike. I've never been hiking before. I went on an eight hour hike for the first time. I went to the American Ninja Warrior Gym, never been there. I, this is the first time I ever came to the, the West Coast. That's not California. I've never been to these places before because I was so stuck in a cult. <laughs> like I couldn't do anything. So finally, the day before I leave, we go on this beautiful hike and Paul gets down on one knee and asks me to be his girlfriend. Mind you, I was single for nine years. Okay. They always made me believe within the business that I was never worthy of being with someone, especially if they were not in the business and things like that. This was the first time that it's someone that I actually, that I know, that I know, right. It's someone that I loved and respected back then. And now we're living this free life. And he asked me to be his girlfriend. I was so surprised. Like I was so shocked and I was so sure. And I just said, yes. And we were both crying because we finally came together. Like we are meant to be, even when those crazy psychopathic mentors try to like tell us we couldn't talk, God figured out a way to bring us back together. And we have been dating almost two years now. And we just would love to share with people what our life has looked like after MLM, right? Like that's the yes. What does it look I mean, like? that's how I found you. I was like, who yeah. are these people living this insanely amazing, incredible life, doing all the things I wish I could do? You guys literally live my bucket list every day. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, so, so what are you doing? Yeah. So you want to? So, yeah. So we started dating in October, and we both the biggest thing is we wanted to travel. That was it. Because we weren't allowed to in our twenties. Yeah. So it's like now's the time. Like let's go. And I said to her from the beginning, I was like, if you're not prepared to live in a van at some point, like this isn't gonna work. Yeah. He literally said, like he was like, we're gonna be nomads. Do you know what that means? I was like, now, like you basically don't have a house. He was like, yeah. I was like, let's do it. You know. And I was ready. Like this lifestyle. This was pre-planned before so he was like okay that's the first thing second thing is renew your passport because I had never traveled my passport was expired it was like collecting dust you know he's like pay extra express to express ship it to your house and I I was so committed to our relationship and this new life that after he asked me to be his girlfriend I was like I'm gonna move in here with you in Denver so I went back to New Jersey I told all my family and friends everybody was shocked they were like, what you miss? I ain't never going to get married is about to move into this apartment with this guy that you just reconnected with like a few months ago. I was like, yeah, like this is the time I already wasted 10 years of my life in a cult. It's time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I packed all my stuff and we actually met in San Diego to start our beautiful journey together. And we have been living the digital nomad life for almost two years now. We we lived in San Diego for a couple of weeks when we first started dating. 
Went back then to Denver. We went back to Denver. Lived in my dream apartment and we, then let it go. Yeah, we lived in a high-rise apartment in downtown Denver. We had the best time again watching movies. We never used to watch movies. Go watching hiking, Netflix, going go hiking, concerts. concerts, and like smoking weed and like eating edibles and like doing all the things that God. We would be dead if we told people that we that we were doing these things if we were in business. You have no idea how good it feels on a weeknight where I'm like, I don't have to go to an, a meeting. Yes. Like even now, sometimes I comes up and I'm like, this is so great because I would always not want to go. I remember times having panic attacks in the car. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't want to drive an hour and a half through traffic to this meeting and then drive home. Like there were times where I would be getting home at two, three, and we didn't even talk about this. But it was so dangerous. They'd keep us up till two, three in the morning. And then we'd have to work at 7 a.m. I'd have to drive home. I fell asleep while driving before. Yeah. Like, and, so and I many, said, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, and so many people have gone into car accidents. So many people have like passed away coming home at two, three in the morning. I have heard so many stories of sleep deprivation from MLMs. And they even put it in that Showtime show about Amway. Um, on becoming a god in Central Florida, there he crashes. Like he's yeah. driving and falls asleep listening to Amway tapes and crashes. Yeah, in yeah. the show. Yeah. One of her uh, close people on the team, like her, she almost died. Yeah, she was paralyzed. Actually, someone was in a coma. Somebody in my oh, team. Oh, another guy. Yeah, in my team was in a coma for a couple months. He was on his way to a meeting. It's wild stuff. And they take things. no responsibility. They take no responsibility. But yeah, so let's we, talk about the fun part. So we immediately started traveling. We went to Mexico for three months yeah, uh, just to see if we'd like it. And as soon as we got back, I sold my car, sold my apartment, put all of our stuff in storage. Uh, and we, we have been full-time traveling ever since. Yeah, we, we packed two luggages each and a backpack. And we did the three months of Mexico in 2021. And during that time, that's when I realized I just wanted to completely, I wanted to get out. She went into Amway. another network marketing company yeah. first. I went into another network marketing company, but kind of did it in my own way and just did all sales. And I was like, I don't want to go to meetings. I don't want to do this. I just, because I had lost my purpose. Like I, I just left the company that I was with for 10 plus years that my dream was to be a diamond and impact women. And I just lost that. And like, in the, in the beginning of 2021, I'm like bawling, crying to Paul. Like I have no purpose. Like I'm collecting unemployment. I have my little side hustles in here. And like, what am I doing with my life? And Paul is just like, let's just live life. I was like, yeah, but I got to make money. So let's figure out how I'm going to make money. So I found this credit repair business and I was actually making like three, $400 a week and stuff like that. But that's all I was doing. I was just helping myself fix my credit, helping clients fix credit, but it was still a network marketing company. So all the things. So we went to Mexico and we started living life. We started scuba diving and skydiving and swimming with dolphins and swimming with turtles and like speaking Spanish. And oh my gosh, we were living, living life. We loved it so much. We went back to Denver, like he said, sold everything, went back again to four Mexico, more four more months. So we lived seven months in Mexico last year. During that time, again, the entrepreneurial person in me, just like, Paul, we have to build wealth. Like we clearly didn't do it in Amway. So now with the skills that we possess, because of course, one of the good things that came from network marketing is we got some skills. We know how to network. We know how to market. We know we have people skills. We know how to talk. We can speak on stage. We can do presentations. You know, we're good people. We can spot weird shit from a mile away. You know, we, we have that entrepreneurial skills, right? That a lot of people are just figuring out now. 
people are reading Think and Grow Rich, Rich That Poor. I'm like, I've been there, done that. I've been there, done that. You know, like I already did that. Words of affirmations, been doing it since I was 16. You know, like I was like, been there, done that. Like, but let's, we have to figure out how to build wealth. So with my connections through the credit repair, I had a lot of my clients were real estate agents and they were like, girl, you know, the money's in real estate, right? Like you would be an amazing agent. So I'm in the middle of getting my real estate license because I'm, I'm getting signs from everywhere that real estate is the place to be for us to build wealth and to live this dream life that we worked so hard to get in Amway, but didn't accomplish it. So in the middle of me getting my license in real estate, I'm like, fuck this. There has to be a different way because getting a real estate license is not the only way to get into real estate. So I'm in Mexico and Isla Mujeres just chilling on the couch, you know, scrolling through Facebook. And I see this ad about women in real estate. And it was a seven day masterclass. 25 bucks. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna get into this. Like, let's see what this is about. And the first day they talk about real estate investing and wholesaling. And I was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. Like I'm going to figure this out. So I'm in Mexico, like studying this networking, like connecting with different people in a different space and like really figuring out and all these things. I connected with this guy that we started doing some deals together. And he was like, man, you are really good. Like, I feel like all you need is just some direction and like a coach. And I was like, <laughs> I don't do coaches. I don't do mentors. I don't do communities. I will just figure this out myself. Thank you so much. You know, I will pay you a little bit if you want to give me some guidance, because obviously I'm a newbie, like I'm willing to pay you for your time. He was like, okay. Like he was so chill that this is the first time I experienced someone not being pushy. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I'd rather just kind of figure this out on my own. So me going through YouTube university and figuring this on my own, I'm like, okay. Clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just like, I'm really like, I'm ready to take my life to the next level and things like that. So I invested in an actual legit coach who's a celebrity and, and a massive influencer in, on, in, on uh, YouTube and all the things. He has his own TV show on a &E TV. Like I did all the research on this man. I literally threatened the, the company, the course company. And I said, yo, I'm going to invest into this course and in this coach. If I don't make my money back in four weeks, I'm coming after all you guys. I have lawyers on deck. Like I'm not playing with you guys. And we invested in the right coach. We, you know, just put the trauma away now that we have, you know, the, the understanding and know who is not good for us and who is good based on like our past experiences. We knew that this person was good. So we hired this coach one month later, we, we did $15,000 in profit. And this was the first time that I've ever made that much amount of money since like my early days of Amway, where it was just a bonus. So I taught Paul how to, how to do it. And in six months, we built a six figure real estate business all virtually while living in Mexico. Wow. Yeah. And our life completely changed. And we've, we've been able to do fantastic things like travel to Dubai and Maldives Italy. and Italy and, and, Hawaii. Go, and Hawaii. We lived in Hawaii for two months this year. People of influence that's not an Amway, like actually want to bless us. And he has been able to bless us so much. And we've been able to build multiple six-figure companies now a year into being in real estate and do it all virtually to the point where we can work from anywhere and travel anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we're like investing in stocks and Bitcoin and crypto and, and, business, and credit. business credit. We just purchased our first investment property. We have incredible, we're building corporate credit for our companies. We have like six different companies. Three of them are, are six figures already. And we're truly free, you know, and, 
And this all happened after we left Amway. We had to literally figure it out. But because of you know the momentum and the compound and the years and the and the tears and everything that we put those 10 years into MLM, because we did it with a good heart, you know, it came back tenfold in this new lifetime and it came in a better way. And it really goes to show you that we were always doing it for the right reasons, which is why we are blessed Just after we wrong, left. Yeah, the right and the, reasons in the wrong, wrong industry with the wrong mentors. Right. Right. We, we sowed yeah. here, but then we reaped over here. For sure. Know? Yeah. And, and we are reaping such an amazing harvest. <laughs> because we planted good seeds in the wrong industry. It just bloomed in a, in a different life, you know, and every single day we just look at ourselves and we're like, I cannot believe this is our life. Like, I cannot believe it. This is crazy. And you should see our radar for culty behavior, narcissists, psychopaths. Yeah. I mean, it's real in real estate. We see the we biggest see egos and we're like, nope, we're not going to these events. Nope. Everyone's like, oh, you're going to this event? Nope. nope. <laughs> you're going to this meetup? Nope. nope. Right? Oh, don't you love this? We just see how some people are so culty and we can just see, you know, we're right. blessed that we went through this experience so that now we can see it and we can see it so clearly. And while maybe we can't get everybody to see it, maybe a few people might hear what we have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such an incredible story. I, I, I knew I had to figure out. <laughs> The whole thing like i yeah. it's just incredible i i'm telling you i watching you guys it brings like i get so much joy Aww. from your joy Aww. because i know what it's like to be okay. in an organization like this and then be out of one and to see both of you who are both so deep in who are both so indoctrinated yeah both get free around the same time reconnect and start the life you should have had 10 years ago now. And I mean, let's be honest, Paul, you kind of knew like when you first met her, right? I had an idea. I knew. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Good feeling. Yes. And now, you know, we're going to, we're celebrating our two year anniversary in a few weeks and we're going to Greece and it's just uh, awesome girl. It's mm -hmm. so awesome. And, you know, we're, you know, obviously now we don't have a home yet. We're just literally living in Airbnbs and we lived in, you know, different places, different countries. And we're just planning next year to do like a summer trip, living in a van and, you know, spending my, my 31st birthday in Bali. And we just did a really fun Arizona trip for Paul's 34th birthday and, and not have to worry about money, not have to worry about going to a meeting, you know, not have to worry about being the end of the month and try to hit pins or levels, you know, now we've developed a business that every month we're cashing in and we're doing it in legal, beautiful industries, you know, and real we're, entrepreneurs, we're real entrepreneurs now, right? Like the things that they used to tell us in Amway, wake up whenever you want. We do that. You know, we wake up whenever we want. We go to the gym. We work four hour days. We have people that work for us and to be able to bless people, you know, and, and just like, give back. It's so special. And, you know, living our life, not to brag so people can join our business, because that's something that a lot of people were, were doing was like, buy this Tesla so people can see that there's money in the business so they can join. You know, we're living our life authentically, you know, yeah. and just sharing it so people can see that there is life after MLM, even if they told us like, there's nothing better than Amway, nothing better than BWW. If you leave, you will never find anything better than that. And we, we believe that. And we were so afraid leaving MLM thinking that we weren't going to be anybody. And we found our life again, you know, after leaving. And we've developed a beautiful lifestyle after leaving. We're Every single day, we thank God that we left. 
And we hope and, and pray that this that our story encourages one more person to leave and, and live a true life that they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny that after you left Amway, you actually became more than just overbroke? And it's while you were in Amway that you were yeah. just overbroke. That's oh my gosh. Weird. So true. So true. Oh, tell her the quote. Remember the quote? I'm sure you've seen that. You could be, what is it? A master? A ma- what is it? A, you could oh, be a you, jack of all jack trades. Of all trade. Yeah. But a master of none. That's what they would use to get us to say, oh yeah, you're doing all these things, but you're not mastering one thing. One. And that's not the complete quote. Yeah. The complete quote is. A jack of all trades, but a master of none is still better than a master of one. I love it. That's the complete <laughs> quote. And in the business, they would tell us like, you know, if you like, I had a lot of people on my team that were really um, talented. Like I had people that can sing, that can dance, that can draw, that can do photography. And they were told to shun their, their talent so they can just focus on one thing. Because one of the one of the quotes that they used was like, you can't be a jack of all trades, you have to master one. But one of the things that we are doing now is like, we're mastering so many trades now, and we're creating amazing incomes through different industries. We have a six figure real estate business, we're in, in, in affiliate marketing, we're learning about business credit, we're learning about investing, we're getting really good at CrossFit, we're painting, we're, you know, doing puzzles, we're dancing, building a brand. we're building a brand, like, what you know we're getting into teaching you know we're learning about production and filming ads and like all these different things and and pitching you know what we're worth doing all these things that we never would have learned if we just mastered one thing in network marketing come on Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it's incredible i feel the same way yeah after leaving and all of the opportunities that have come along and all the things that I'm oh able gosh, to learn yeah. and try and go, oh, I want to try to do that. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that I could do that. And learning things, yeah. it's it's been really great. So I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Are you guys ready to do some rapid fire questions? Yes. Sure. Oh, you have a notebook. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yes, I have the notebook because I will stumble over the questions that I wrote myself and have been asking people for almost two years. So I know, right? What is one word that encompasses how you feel about multi-level marketing? And you will have Michelle go first and then Paul will follow. Culty. It's culty. It is a a professional way to get people into a cult. Yeah. How about you? I don't know how to choose one word. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the first word that came to mind was scam, but then I've been thinking uh, fake yeah. uh, and a trick and a trap, you know, and manipulation. There's a lot of words. It's hard to choose one. All of those fit. Uh, I want you guys to give me a warning to somebody who is maybe on the fence and thinking about joining an MLM. Don't do it. The warning that I would give people that maybe got approached and is thinking about it is ask yourself these questions. Do I feel alone? Am I at a really dark place in my life? Do I feel like I need community? Do I feel really bad about myself? Do I feel like I'm at a low point? If the answer is yes, that's probably the reason why you're attracted to this industry. And the first thing that I recommend is go to therapy first, instead of joining a community and trying to make friends and trying to make money and like all the things, there might be something deeper there that a multi-level marketing company or industry or, or community will not will not get you. So definitely look into therapy, journaling, and just follow what what's really meant for you, not what looks like it could be something good, you know? That's a completely different answer, although hers is great. 
I think there's this fear of people, not just in cults, but any organization, any relationship, there's this fear of being alone, mm. fear of working on themselves. And especially at a young age, this desire to have all the answers and to have somebody there to hold their hands, to give them the answers. And, and that's one yeah. of the biggest things that he always taught is like, I don't need anybody to think for me. Oh my gosh, yeah. And that's what they give in these cults is right. I will think for you. You just do what you're told. That's the biggest thing we gave in our podcast is think for yourself. Yeah. Stop being told by somebody else. Stop trying to let somebody else solve your problems. Think for yourself. Pursue what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Right? Going to meetings three times a week is not going to make you happy. Do you really want to be a full-time salesperson? Can you gain some skills from this? Will this be a memorable experience? Sure, but it's a very big risk that you're going to get in and they're going to trap you. So in my mind, it's not worth it. Even though there are some, there are some good there, there's not enough. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'd say therapy, good, travel, enjoy yeah. your life you know, pursue what makes you happy when you're young. This is your time to go for anything in life. Mm. Why are you going to go for network marketing? Yeah, that's uh. just a trap. It's a trap. I, that's my new word. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I know the answer, but what is the worst MLM in your guys's opinion? Oh, can we give top three? <laughs> sure. Amway is number one. I have to say, I think Herbalife is number two. Herbalife is a little bit different than Amway because obviously they promote health products and they promote you being a fitness coach. Like all of a sudden when you but sign up for Herbalife, bullshit. these products are not healthy. They're not. And these people are just using surgery to look good. They're not, it's a look good company. It's a look good company. So you have to like look good and not and, be healthy. And you have to be on social media 24 seven sharing and documenting. And so a lot of people have been losing like family members and relationships because of it. So I definitely think that Herbalife is number two and anything that has to do with life insurance. Oh, so yeah. Primerica. Um, Those are the worst. World anything, Financial Group. World Financial Group. Yeah. Like insurance stuff. It's like, uh. Uh-uh. I agree. Those are my three too. What is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in MLM? That we were in a cult. Well, that you could allow yourself to be in a cult for 10 years. Yeah, I guess that. Uh, uh, well, oh, the hardest lesson for me actually was that my mentor at the time was a narcissist and that she kept a and, tracking and that. that I kept a tracking narcissistic um, behavioral like identities in jobs in other coaches and boyfriends and relationships and because I would mirror that person and this was someone that like was like a brother to me like he was like one of my best friends for over a decade and when my therapist when I would explain to my therapist like the things that he would do how my body reacted when he did certain things he fell under narcissist and I was like I was in a relationship like a friendship a close friendship with a narcissist Mm -hmm. and I was like wow for me uh, I think the hardest pill to swallow is like, yes, they did a lot of not cool stuff, but they're psychopaths and narcissists. So they're just doing what they do yeah. is to just accept that I allowed myself to give them, to give my power mm-hmm. to them, that I was, a, I chose to be a victim. Now, obviously they're very powerful, strong people. So I didn't know what was going on. They were using me and I was using them to cover up my shit. Mm-hmm. So I, to take responsibility for the fact that I chose this, that I allowed this, that I opened my, that I gave them the opportunity and cause I never stood up for myself. So to accept that was hard for me. Yeah. The covert abuse really runs rampant in multi-level oh marketing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And for then sure. I like to finish it on a positive. So give me a positive takeaway from your time in MLM. Ooh, okay. My, 
my positive. The best thing I ever got out of Amway. <laughs> I know Paul is, is pointing yeah. right now at Michelle. I was going to say, aside from the love of your life. At Michelle. The best thing I ever got from Amway, obviously, was meeting Paul. And he's, you know, my best friend, my partner. You know, we do plan on getting married and having a family and all that stuff. We're just taking our time and truly enjoying our moment. But also one of the things that really that I loved was speaking, public speaking, speaking on stage, impacting women. I truly made an impact on women's lives. You know, speaking on stages all over the world was a big one, showing the marketing plan and just creating this entrepreneurial brain that really did come from 10 years of experience in there, you know, building multiple teams, multiple companies, like within it, like every team was like a company that I had to help reach sales and things like that. And that's really what came out of it is the skills that we developed each other, um, public speaking, you know, today we're asked to speak in different places. We're asked to do ads and people are like, man, you're so good. Like, did you just learn this like a year ago when you started real estate or like no? Sorry, guys. Disclaimer, we have 10 years of network marketing experience. So that's probably why we're good at this now, you know. So that's something that really came good from it. Um, the experience, again, it was it was good. There was obviously a lot of bad. But if it wasn't for that, we would not be where we are today. So we are grateful that we went through that journey. You know, we wish we always say we wish that we would have met earlier and traveled earlier. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And we're just happy that it led us here. So... I think that I really got to see my value for all the things that I saw that I didn't like. I got to see like, wow, look what I can create mm. because I did create a massive business when I, I mean, yes, it wasn't a legit LLC company, but right. a massive organization while in college. And then I built a massive business. Like we actually did build a business in Jamaica because we had to build an import export business. Mm. Um, so to see like what I was able to create and then also, you know, yes, the 20s are such a good time to like learn a life lesson. What better thing to learn of like, don't get into a cult. Like, <laughs> you know, I may have given a lot of my 20s that I, I see people in their 20s traveling and like, man, I wish I was doing what I'm doing now 10 years ago. For sure, they won't have what I have, which is like, I am so, you know, eyes open to any form of control, yeah, for sure. manipulation, any kind of culty, narcissistic, psychopath, like our radars are so high mm -hmm. because I went through that. And so I wouldn't change that because I, I need that for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's going to help us so much. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's excellent. I, excellent, positive takeaways. Yeah. Being able to see those red flags and avoid those red flags and being able to live the life you always wanted with the love of your life. I think it's yeah. so incredible. It's fantastic. You guys are just the cutest and I'm so happy we were able to talk and yeah. hear your whole story because it is so inspiring and I'm so happy you guys are both out and on this side. Um, tell everybody where they can find you because I feel like they're just going to love you just as much as I do and want to follow along. Yeah, so we're both on Instagram. My Instagram is at Michelle Garabito. Paul, what's your Instagram? Mine is Create Abundance. <laughs> it's a complicated one. <laughs> CR3, the number three, ATE Abundance, because yeah. it's about creating a mind, body, soul, abundance in life. So that's my Instagram. Yeah, we're, we're very on every book. She's big on TikTok as well. But it's all connected to IG. Yeah, you just find us on IG. We have a link tree there with pretty much everything. You Perfect. I will link all of that in the show notes so everything is easy to find. Thanks. Thank you guys so Thank much. This Thank was you, seriously Roberta. such a fun chat. I can't so wait awesome. to meet in person. Yeah, we one can't day. wait to meet in person.
like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. let's plan a Let fun it. vacation. <laughs> let's get it. We saw Lula Rich. We're like, we got to meet this girl. I know. We're like, we're drawn to you. We're going to so. be on this podcast one day. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans.